Hello and welcome to episode 27 of series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Welcome to our final episode of 2023 and our final episode of Series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. We're going to be rolling straight into 2024 with our next episode, our first episode of Series 5 going out on the 2nd of January. Um, So here's a a quick heads up on what we've got coming up. That first episode of Series 5 on the 2nd of January is an interview with Eric Stone from Clearpath Ventures. And Eric's going to be telling us all about the role that we play as internal community in building a successful and productive workplace culture. Then on the 16th of the first, the second episode of Series 5, I have an interview with Emily Hecker. Emily has just written a book all about how you can leverage yourself and your your resources when you are an internal comms team of one or where you have a very small internal comms team. A really fascinating conversation with Emily and a great book that she's just written. And uh, we'll be telling you all about that and Emily's experiences, which led her to writing the book in that episode. And then for the third episode on the 30th of January, so the first three episodes all going out in January we have an interview with Christine Cook from Lloyd's Register Foundation and Christine is going to be telling us all about the importance and the role of our of internal communicators in developing a social purpose within the organisation and how we communicate that to our employees. Many organisations now are looking to enhance their social purpose make it more transparent for their employees in order to develop their engagement strategies so Christine's going to be telling us all about that. So that's the first three episodes we've got coming up in series five in January and so really just sort of signing off before the you listen to today's interview just to say thank you very much for your continued support we've grown the podcast significantly over 2023 um, lots of great feedback lots of people reaching out saying that the podcast is really useful to them and that they're learning many new ideas and it's it's exposing you to different ideas and techniques and thoughts and maybe different ways of looking at internal comms and employee engagement and and that's really what this podcast is all about. So thank you for your, your, your continued support. Thank you for continuing to listen to us. If you want to get involved in the show, please get in touch with me at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. And uh, yeah, all that remains is for me to say is to enjoy the rest of 2023. Have a fantastic holiday season, however, however you celebrate it. So let's uh, get into this episode's interview and the final interview of 2023. <laughs> Given its significance, it's surprising that actually we've only ever covered the topic of sustainability once before on the podcast directly in in a show. So I, I it's something that I really wanted to bring back to the table in terms of topics that we were covering. So today we're going to be looking at sustainability engagement, and we've got a war, an award winning sustainability communications agency. Um, the leader from that organisation is going to be telling us all about their work around sustainability, and the two areas that we're really going to be exploring in this episode are particularly around leadership and the importance of leadership and how leaders show up when it comes to sustainability. I think we're all probably seeing a lot of sustainability 
communications going out there, particularly into the external world, which is great talk, but we're not always seeing the action to follow that up. So we're going to be looking at the importance of sustainability leadership, both within organizations, um, but also that, that overlaps into some of the external facing aspects of sustainability as well. And then we're also going to look at different ways of communicating that really work for sustainability. Sustainability is one of those interesting topics. It's like a little bit like health and safety, which is the example I often use, which is it's sometimes organizations fall into the trap of communicating things like health and safety and sustainability from a compliance-based perspective. They'll talk about legislative requirements. But as we all know, we, we, we actually genuinely care about it. A lot of people don't want to go to work and, and get hurt. And in the same way, they don't want the company they're working for or the organization they're working for to be damaging the planet as well. So it's really important that we engage people where they're at on this topic and also come at it from a human perspective. So, so our guest is going to be talking about that as well. We're going to share with you some final tips and also how you can reach out to different non-governmental organizations, NGOs, who might be able to help you with a particular sustainability challenge that you might have and we'll talk about that towards the end of this interview as well so i hope you find this a useful conversation around sustainability and engagement my guest in this episode is helen neal helen is the owner of award-winning sustainability communications agency hn communications and also sustainability events company leaders live helen has two decades of experience in political and social campaigns and communications She's an advocate of collaboration and kindness in business and is on a mission to help businesses do more good in the world. So hello, Helen, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Craig. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be speaking to you. Um, just, just for our listeners, whereabouts are you in the world? Whereabouts are you based, please, Helen? So I am based in what is this morning a very sunny Northamptonshire, so right in the middle of England. Fantastic. Excellent. And uh, just for our listeners, yeah, that's right in the almost in the sort of, uh, I guess, the sort of um, epicenter of the UK in terms of the, the sort of distance from the, the, the sea and right in the middle of the oh, country. Absolutely. There. Yeah. Yeah, Ex yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. So I gave a little bit of a background there to what you're up to at the moment. But um, hmm. tell us a little bit more about that, that doing, helping businesses do more good in the world and also a little bit about your career and what's led you to where you are now, Helen, please. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think our, our premise is about communications for good. And um, we really focus in on the area around sustainability and helping businesses, particularly big global corporates, but also um, NGOs to campaign and communicate on the work that they're doing in the sustainability space and being able to kind of I guess, really take people with them on this journey. Um, I think that we're all on and I think more corporates are are much more aware than ever um, of their responsibility and their role, not just as a as a business to sell goods and services to us, but actually to do right by um, its people, its supply chain, um, and also by the planet. So I think that's that's really the space in which um, you know we operate. And in, I guess in terms of my career, I um, I'm I'm not a traditional communicator, you know, from a I guess, a, a kind of comms or PR background. And in fact, I'd never worked in an agency before, never have. Um, my background is um, I worked in parliament. I uh, then had a role for um, in the kind of government relations field for a lot of corporates for Virgin Atlantic and latterly for Nissan, really to um, looking at policy and campaigns and change. And, and I think inevitably with you know, particularly with airlines and um, and with transport, 
the area of sustainability always came up um, in my work. And I've just seemed to find that sustainability found me no matter where I went. Um, And I guess it's a really big, big challenge, particularly for those sorts of sectors. So my role was very much around looking at policy and change and, um, you know, wider society. And then I, I sort of, I moved into communications latterly in my kind of corporate career. Um, into internal communications actually and leadership communications and I've always been really interested in how um, CEOs and leaders have the power to effectively move people you know their people internally but also consumers um, in a particular direction And, and I see the responsibility that businesses and particularly these leaders have so I was always fascinated by the good ones in terms of how they did that um, so I chose to leave, um, for various reasons, but I think, you know, I guess some of your listeners will also relate in that, um, you know, I had a small family, um, the corporate world at that point, this was pre COVID was not necessarily, um, the best place really for me to be around if I wanted to kind of be around for my kids too. So I need, I knew I needed to kind of carve something out for myself. And I've always taken the attitude that, you know, if you're not happy with where you are, then it's, you, you know, only you can change it. So uh, I left on good terms and in actual fact, Nissan said, you know, well, look, I know you're leaving, but you know, would you consult for us? So I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go because I could I could do with the money, quite frankly. Mm, mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like jumping off, uh, you know, your your kind of career that you've had for 15, 16 years is mm. is is a big deal, right? So, mm. um, took that on, and I think within three months, it was a bit of a light bulb moment, to be honest. And I remember speaking to a recruiter at the time because I thought, well, I need to I need to find another job that's going to suit sort of my lifestyle. And I was explaining what I was doing. And clearly my face was sort of lit up and they said, look, I don't mean to be rude, but are you sure you you really want another job? You seem to be quite, quite happy with what you're doing. And I think that whole feeling of consulting and working with people, kind of helping them unpick challenges, but being on the outside was, was I think, where I realized I really needed to be and belong. So I think from that, six years ago, we've kind of built up a a beautiful agency that I'm really, really proud of. We're now a B Corp as well. We just got B Corp certification mm, um, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, and uh, we, I think over the course of the past six years, we've niched down more and more and more. And I've found that as we've niched down more, we've actually grown significantly. So that I think the more specialists we've become actually and the more narrow um, the more we've grown and the more we've become known for, for the good things that we do. So, so that's, that's us in a nutshell. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And I, I love it. like your story. And uh, it's interesting. You, you left not with the intention then of, of, of starting your own business. You left no. because it was more for, 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 for family and, and looking after your family. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Not at all. The whole yeah. idea of, um, I think starting a small business actually was not even attractive. It was, it was something I absolutely didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah had no intention of doing it yeah that's 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 a similar story to my own uh helen and, and i uh I, I did actually leave my corporate life job my old, mm. old corporate job to, with the intention of starting a business but uh but yeah it's 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 amazing how quickly you you find whether that's for you it's not for everybody but you you know feeling for it but um it's scary though isn't it yeah, i mean it's scary yeah. to kind of leap off that and particularly when you've got responsibilities and family and i think the older you get the harder it it becomes, but I think you get to a point where you just think, 
I'm not living my life if I don't jump and try. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Mm. Excellent. Well, and so so moving on to to, to sustainability then, because that's the that's the topic that we're going to be talking about mm. today around sustainability and engagement is just just we and we've it's a topic we've only covered once before on the show, and I think highly surprising, really, given the fact we've got over a hundred shows and it's such a it's such a massive issue for all, mm. many of many of our you know listeners and organisations at the moment. Where where are organisations at at the moment in terms? of of sustainability and doing the right thing because it was interesting what you said in in your in your in your kind of build up there which you were saying um you know organizations are trying to take their people with them but i, I think also there's an element of people trying to take their organizations with them as well as to what are you know their their beliefs and their their passion and their their, their worries about about the you know sustainability issues as well so really interested to find out where where you feel or big particularly the big corporates who you work with are at and also you know what are kind of some of the biggest challenges and opportunities they're facing when it comes to you know not necessarily compliance with sustainability regulations but how they communicate that and how they sort of do that internal marketing piece around their sustainability um uh, activities particularly if they're not you know if they're a company that may be perceived in some way to be part of the as, you know part of the problem and maybe not all, all part of the solution as well mm. I, th- I think you raise some great points there and i think um starting from the point of like where are we today um, I'd recently just come back from um, Climate Week in New York. So this happened um, just last month. And this is a great um, event that's been going on for, for a number of years. It's run by um, one of our clients and we were lucky enough to be involved this year. But what it does do is it brings the NGO world, the government world and the global corporates together in one place for one week to have some really serious, tough uh, discussions and debate around climate um and i think just just from sitting there this year because obviously i went over and, and sort of listening to some of these people speak i am definitely seeing a change within um the global corporate world of one of realizing that um it's okay to um talk about difficulty it's okay to talk about failures it's okay to talk about the fact that they don't have all the answers and I'm just starting to see I think within the corporate world which is brilliant because it's one of the things that we really advocate is that it's okay to talk about the difficulty around sustainability and actually we find that the more that these businesses start to say you know what we're struggling here or this is difficult or you know we really wanted to switch to renewable energy but there's no one else in this particular region that we're operating in that also wants to do this is there anyone else out there that wants to collaborate you know these sorts of discussions that we would not have been having five years ago are now starting to happen so I think that is a really positive point forward and I definitely came back feeling quite uplifted that I thought okay I feel this is really moving now um that said uh you know there are plenty of other global corporates that are still not there. So we've got this kind of small-ish group of pretty well-known, you know, brands and names that are, are starting to really make some progress. But I still think they are the exception rather than the rule. So the question is now, how do we start to um, bring more of these businesses into this way of, of operating? Because I believe that ultimately 
this is where business is heading. And if if businesses are not going to get on board, they're going to get left behind. And it's just how quickly you as a business start to realize that you're going to need to change things within your organization. And to the point you were making, you know, there is a massive driving force, I think, within lots of businesses now, particularly from, you know, generations of like, you know, 30 year old and under who are coming on board into roles within these businesses, really expect a business to do things slightly differently to perhaps, you know, you or I had had always seen a, a corporate business to do. Um, that there is an expectation that a business is going to do right by its people, do right by the planet, as well as be a successful business and organization and, and driving a profit. And you need those three things. And I think, I think, you know, employees who are also consumers, are, we're, we're starting to expect that more of our businesses. So that indeed is, I think, driving um, part of this forward as well. Um, yeah, so I think, I think, I think there is a lot to be positive about. We see a lot in the news where it feels um, really difficult. It feels really challenging. And sometimes you can feel like it's all, you know, there's this term now about climate anxiety, which, are, you know, particularly for younger generations, feel like no matter what they do, nothing changes. But I actually think particularly for millennials and, and, and under and Gen Z, et cetera, I think they have more power than they realize. And I think they are being, um, the ones that are starting to kind of push this uh, more and hold businesses to account because they are they are now starting to be the consumers and they're going to be the ones with greater purchasing power as we move forward. So um, yeah, so I think I think lots to be positive about, but there are still some challenges, and I think particularly when it comes to you know how you communicate, we've seen how things can go so badly wrong when it comes to sustainability, if you don't get it right. Mm. No, definitely. It's interesting what you were saying there about, um, you know, the conference you were at and, and what people were saying, because I was at a conference a few weeks ago myself, and mm. um, it was the guy who was speaking was Stephen Bartlett, who's one of the dragons mm. from the Dragon's Den. And he was talking, what he was talking about, which I thought was really interesting, which is about how, what builds and destroys trust between mm. leaders and, 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 and the employees. And he was saying, it's not that you don't do what you said you were going to do, it's that you don't, explain to people why you couldn't do it and what he was saying exactly. is that you know people mm. are re very reasonable they understand that you can't you know you, you you set ambitions and you set goals but you can't always deliver them but if you tell people what what it was that you, it stopped you doing it and, and what you've learned from that and how you're going to try and do it but in a different way that builds trust whereas if a lot of organizations just sort of like you know, brush it under the carpet, pretend it never happened, pretend never, no, we yeah. never made that commitment. I yeah. think, and I think sustainability is obviously one of those areas and there's many others, obviously, but um, that yeah. fall into, into that. And I, I think that's so true. And I think, um, you know, what we try to do with, with clients that we work with is to really take them on a bit of a journey because it has, it's a massive cultural shift for the corporate world to, you know, let's think about how they've traditionally communicated, right? It's always been, and this is no criticism, you know, the, these businesses have been there to sell their products and services. So in terms of a, a style of communication, it's always been, well, how do we, you know, put the best, we, we want to put ourselves in the best light, you know, best foot forward, make, you know, we want to make things seem as positive and as, as enticing as possible. Um, but, you know, that isn't the way that you can communicate on sustainability in actual fact that's at the point where you take that traditional way of thinking of corporate communications 
um, that's the point where you're going to get really unstuck when you look at sustainability. In fact, the opposite is true with sustainability. Like you were just saying, you need to be willing to show your vulnerability because no one has all the answers on sustainability. Um, and we are going to need one another. So it's not going to be about competition um, like it has been traditionally with selling your products. It's going to be about collaboration. It's not going to be about you being the one to stand out necessarily. It's going to be about collective action that's going to make change. So I think there are very different attributes to um sustainability communications that and rules I think and just a guidance of, of how businesses should be communicating on this to ensure that they don't unintentionally get stuck within this space of greenwashing or get so caught up in fear that they get caught up in this green hushing which is this fear of actually saying anything in case it's wrong because uh, the risk is too great if you yeah. get it wrong yeah 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 Yes, very good. So I guess that takes us into the two, there's two areas that we were going to explore in detail, Helen. And one of those is is that whole uh, thing around leadership. And we've already started to explore that. And and, and I know when we spoke in, in our kind of preparatory conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, mm. we talked about this. And, and um, it was interesting because, again, it resonated with me in my career when I've, I've not necessarily been involved with directly with sustainability in in um, my corporate career but also but I had been involved in things like health and safety and I know mm. the two are very different but mm. for me it's 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 a legislative compliance thing that can become very much delegated to one person who has that in their job title and without leadership own leadership ownership and you know kind of championing it and sponsoring it it can be very very difficult to drive whereas if you've got leaders on board who are genuinely delivering it and 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 uh, able to to kind of really be figureheading again not just in a kind of bland way but really because they're passionate about it it can make a huge difference so i know that's some area that you're you're very passionate about and you've got some really good stories and examples of where you've seen that work really well mm. um and and so yeah over to you helen tell us all about that that the importance of leadership when it comes to communicating sustainability from your perspective yeah, and I think I think the point that you were just saying, you know, there's, you know, like with health and safety, there's the way that businesses have have viewed sustainability in the past has always been a kind of add-on, you know, a, a a department add-on to to a wider issue. Um, so I think um, where I see it working really well, and it sounds really obvious, but it's so surprising how businesses are still not doing it. But um, where of you, it comes from the top, it has to come from the top. So your CEO has to believe in this, um, and, and and there needs to be a, a genuine desire to move forward on on sustainability. I think with that, that then drives the C-suite to to also um, be on board. But where it works the best is where you have incorporated sustainability throughout your business planning, so your business strategy. So what, where where I see, and you, you'll have probably seen it, you know, you look at some of the, um, you know, end of year kind of investment reports and things that businesses put out, and you might see like a small section around sustainability. Where I see it work really, uh, and, and I don't think that that's a good thing, by the way, but I think where it works really well is you've got sustainability transcends 
everything within your business strategy um, from the very top to the bottom. And it goes across all of the departments. So it doesn't just rest in a sustainability department, but it covers, you know, HR, finance, marketing, um, all of the kind of key areas that you would traditionally have within a business. Each of those needs to have um, sustainability commitments and targets. Um, and we've we've worked with um, a few businesses who are doing this in a really um, clear, uh, clearly focused way. And actually, they've started to link um, C-suite uh, bonus payments, not just to the profitable side of their targets, whether you're in HR, finance, etc., cetera, um, but actually sustainability um, targets as well. Um, and where you can go even further, where we're seeing um, a couple of real pioneer businesses starting to do this, is actually having an internal carbon price um, for the business decisions that you make and linking that part of your um, decision making process also to bonuses as well. And so having a clear carbon price to help you internally as a leadership team um, make quantifiable decisions, not just in terms of um, a financial calculation, but also a sustainability calculation, putting both of those on the table and saying, is this the right way forward? Does this fit with our plans? And so starting to build sustainability into a proper quantifiable um, part of the, the the kind of strategic business decision-making process. Wow. This is where we really start to see businesses um, taking a leadership role in, in, in sustainability for mm. sure. And, and is that, so I mean, I'm really intrigued by that. Is that, so is mm. that like a, an externally recognized algorithm that you can use to calculate that kind of carbon cost, or is that something that they've created for themselves? And, and, and or is it just, like, I know, you know, it's a, 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 an accepted internal way of calculating it. So um, I think a lot of businesses will tend to do do this internally for themselves because I think it carries a certain level of um, sensitivity around it from a from sure. a business competitive point of view. Of However, um, the the businesses that I have seen will bring in external auditors and um, uh, and organisations to help them develop that process. Okay. It's not really something I think I've seen businesses do solely on their own. It's yeah. about bringing yeah. in the specialist help. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant, excellent, and and I know you you'd said it as well that that the the importance of capturing stories and, and and sharing them and and using that as a you know kind of repurposing that for for award submissions that sort of thing. Have you got, mm. have you got any 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 examples? Obviously, anonymized examples of that that you, you can share with us, Helen. Yeah, I mean, case studies are essential. I think, you know, one of the things around sustainability, and I'm going to be honest, you know, some of the science and the data, we all know it, um, but but it can be quite dull and boring. And so moving people to be interested and motivated in this topic, we have to, you know, this is where we start to bring in that creativity. And actually, the case studies and the real world examples are great ways of being able to interpret and show the work that's taking place, both the good and the bad, the difficulty. You know, this comes back to this point where we we're mm-hmm. saying about being transparent. Mm-hmm. When you have a case study, you can really show and tell people where stuff has worked and where it hasn't and what the learning is. And that learning has a real um, value. So I think I think with case studies, we we always, again, have a bit of a principle that, you know, we only communicate on things that have been done. Yeah. 
Um, there was a recent, I, I think in the in recent times, um, a view of like talking a lot about commitments. Um, and one of the things that, you know, we've, we've learned through working with our NGO clients is about, you know, commitments is one thing, but it's about the action that's being taken and being able to talk about that. Um, but I've seen some great, great examples of, um, you know, great case studies of, of how um, businesses are, for example, um, moving towards 100% renewable energy for their manufacturing facilities. Um, some great pieces of work around how businesses are um, collaborating with other companies way outside of their usual space of operation. So, for example, you might have a brewer with a um, software developing company with um, a local um, cooperative of farmers all collaborating together on um, using pieces of new found technology to monitor the moisture in the soil to know when to irrigate the crops to minimize the amount of water usage being used for those crops and and sharing that data amongst one another to kind of learn um, and and be more um, uh, focused around the the water consumption for example um, which then feeds back to that business's um, water sustainability targets um, but also interesting ones about uh, and uh, this point around authenticity we spoke about earlier where I see things work really well um, is when a brand looks at really who they are and what their brand is known for and then how they can think about um, linking that to sustainability that is is kind of directly linked in some way. So let me give you an example. There's a there's a beer brand in in Romania, uh, which has a, a bison on the front of it. Um, this and it's it's quite well known in, in the local country. And um, this particular brand started to collaborate with WWF um, on putting and and really kind of putting a whole campaign around. The, the habitat of this particular bison, which was endangered within the country of Romania. And um, this this has worked really well. It's really motivated the local um, community and um, really kind of driven a lot of change. It's brought in um, external NGOs and, and, and funding to kind of support this biodiversity in the habitat. And But, but but why it worked well was that people could make a really clear, authentic link between the brand and what it was trying to do as a way in which to kind of um, communicate and also help to educate on this particular issue. So it's about a brand almost looking at something that it's known for and saying, I'm going to take some responsibility for this issue that that really does link to my brand and what we stand for. And then going out and kind of finding a way to to collaborate with say like NGOs and really drive that forward. And so I've seen that work really beautifully. Of course, where I've seen it work terribly is where, you know, you've had a business where you think, what the hell are they doing? And why are they, why, you know, uh, why are they sort of operating in that space? Um, or for example, you know, putting a label on a product to explain the fact that it might have been um, generated by um, renewable energy for example but actually you then start to ask the questions about okay well we've got this label on your packaging but is the packaging recyclable and and what about the label and um did you consider the water consumption and so you these things start to unfold if you don't have a clear backstory to be able to kind of 
communicate the whole message. Just simply slapping a label on a box or um, a piece of packaging without the detail in which to back it up. Whether people go and want, want to see it or not, it's about being able to show that you've got that data to to quantify um, what you've done. So I've, I've seen that not work quite so well for example yeah 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 oh yeah yeah that's uh, it's, it's, <laughs> sounds right uh, some good examples um and and yeah i like the i like the example the example there the the of the romanian uh, beer company i think that's a really mm. good good when you can make that connection just just conscious of time just going to move on to the the, the, the final topic or that we wanted to cover and and that's like i guess which is what our listeners um will be maybe something they've they're already working on or something that, that I think that they'll definitely be they'll resonate with them, which is how do we, how do we communicate sustainability? Because I think you've already alluded to, and you mentioned in the last one that sometimes it can be a bit boring and it can be a bit stale and it can be a little bit like, you know, kind of, Oh, we've got to do this sort of thing. We're, we're lacking conviction. Um, but I know you, in, in the work that you, you do, and, and we talked about this again on the, the preliminary call that the importance of fun and engagement and, and educating mm. people. Um, but also again, going back, to storytelling and making it also another thing i think you, you talk about it being voluntary rather than a mandatory thing mm. so so what are some of the things that you've seen work really well helen and and again yeah, i guess you know in terms of tips and and recommendations for our listeners who are who are perhaps thinking about oh, how can i bring sustainability to life or make it a little bit more exciting and interesting and less compliance driven i guess yeah well i think i think one of the the, the key areas to start with is about um being willing to be vulnerable. Um, so being willing at the get-go to, um, you know, say, look, sustainability is hard, it's difficult, it's tough, it's challenging, it's expensive. We don't have all the answers, but we're 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 trying and we have a plan um, and we have goals and we are working to get there. And we may not get it right all the time, but we're going to keep going. And being able to share that journey that you were on, the successes and the failures as you go, and be really open about that from the get-go, I think is absolutely critical if we're talking about sustainability. So I think starting from that principle of um, being willing to share that vulnerability and that difficulty um, and being open to that, and that's a hard thing for corporates to do. And so it, it it requires a level of, when you're working with them, it requires a level of trust. It requires a level of proof that you need to take them on this journey and show that it works. Um, and that can take time. But when we when we do get there, when you do get there, um, it will have such greater benefits, I think, in the long run. I think in terms of the point around fun and engagement, um, you know, traditionally the sustainability function and operation um rightly looks around facts and data and transparency and calculations. I think it's about sustainability getting much closer to, dare I say it, some of the more fun areas of the business, which is, um, you know, the marketing teams, for example, and actually closely collaborating together from the get-go when they are thinking about campaigns and stories and working with the sustainability teams to really talk and engage around what these campaigns can look like and ensure that that sustainability thread comes back in. And I think if you remember, we talked earlier about, you know, the the C-suite, including the, the CMO, having a level of responsibility and uh, around the sustainability issue. So I think the fun and engagement piece, it's about that storytelling, isn't it? It's about sharing the vulnerability. 
It's also about the learning because I think where things become super difficult is actually the point in which we can learn. The difficulty holds the the kind of golden nugget of um, of of where we where we move forward because that challenge that difficulty quite often is going to be felt not just by your competitors in your um, industry but it's probably going to be felt if you're a you know beer brand it's probably going to be also felt by a car manufacturer you both have plants manufacturing facilities and operations where you're going to need probably similar things to do with you know heat and cooling and energy so I think it's um I think it's about sharing those um both those learnings but also those difficulties because that holds a real interest for one another when you know we're all searching for answers I think the other areas around this engagement piece with your um employees often and I'm sure this has probably been the case for you as well but often when we do sort of internal um workshops with teams the some of the local teams in in their in their roles will have amazing ideas and all probably know far more of the answer around sustainability practices um, than probably the C-suite a lot of the time because they're at the coalface and they know how this feels. Um, so I think making sure that we are celebrating that, giving people the opportunity to share this throughout the business and have a voice is massively important as well. Um, and I think getting consumers engaged, which can be really difficult, um, but I think it's about, um, again, like things like with, with, with the bison, um, example I gave earlier, some like these, when it's tangible and when people can feel they can make a direct link because of, you know, with your brand, I think it's, it's far easier for them to feel more engaged. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's a business just paying lip service and doing a tick box. So I think it's about being really authentic in that space as well. Yeah. Um, and, and to your last point, you know, it, it's, it needs to be voluntary, not mandatory. You know, we need to make it as exciting as possible, particularly for employees to want to get on board with this uh, rather than them feel that this is being mandated. So it's it's our responsibility as communications experts to really find creative ways to kind of get these um, teams and people engaged because, you know, it, it will be the employees that help drive the company's sustainability goals forward. Mm. And I know you, you, we, we talked about this briefly. We didn't go into a lot of detail when we spoke before, but, but, and, and it's a technique we use. You, you, you used gamification, I believe as well, to a certain extent around, around yeah. this. Yeah. 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 And, and is that in, in terms of internal comms or just in terms of education or, or, or both or. It's a bit, it's a bit of both actually, mm. but I think gamification is really important and it's something I'm, I'm personally quite excited about because I think that this is a great space for sustainability to be focusing in on um you know we've seen it work really well with um what has traditionally perhaps been seen as online training of but but we don't call it that we just we call it you know um you know we give it a fun name for example but we don't like to call it training we 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 say don't make it mandatory let's make it as fun and engaging for people as possible but using that sense of gamification i think to illustrate um you know, progress to illustrate, you know, perception as well. I think that's really important in sustainability. We have certain perceptions around um, sustainability that actually cannot necessarily be true. So kind of challenging that is great for gamification, but also going back to the point around 
facts and data and progress and actually using gamification to illustrate this progress um, and some of that data in fun and engaging ways that you can gamify starts to really help people go, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I get it. And I think the moment we can do that with with people where they just take a moment to see it slightly differently, mm, mm. that's a, that really opens a conversation with them to have more of a discussion on sustainability. But we need to almost open up that curiosity a little bit, and I think that's where gamification really comes into its own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a fun, it's a fantastic Trojan horse because everybody, everybody likes playing games, regardless of how old you are or, or how mature or immature you think you are. Because people mm. get a bit sniffy about gamification, but but it's definitely it's, it's a Trojan horse to get people to start talking about things and seeing things in very different ways. And and uh, you know, if you think about you, the games that we play, not related to work. You, you know, there's collaboration, there's competition, there's decision making, there's 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 understanding, perception, and all. There's all sorts of different things that get really good games, and you can incorporate that into a gamified age, uh, communication solution, which uh, which which is it's a, it's a fantastic vehicle for that. And uh, you say it's very invitational as well, rather than people feeling as though they're being forced to sit through a workshop and a set of slides, than actually taking part in something collaboratively, you know, online. Or, or, or face-to-face can be really, really powerful. So, yeah, definitely definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, exactly. Just just bringing things to, to a conclusion then, Helen, then. So thank you. You've had some really, really good insights with us. Any any final tips? So say we've got someone listening to this episode who, you know, it's whether it's landed on their plate recently, I doubt where it's recently, but, but it's something that's on their plate in terms of communicating something around sustainability, something that's maybe a contemporary issue within their organization or something that, that that's on their PDR for the rest of the year to sign off and get done. What, what, are, what are some of the things that um, you, you'd recommend? Just some sort of maybe quick wins that, that, that we can maybe think about if, we, if we're facing a, a, a comms campaign or we're designing a com, com, comms campaign around sustainability or even if it's just some sort of, you know, kind of more routine day-to-day type communications. What, what, what are, any, any, any final tips on that, Helen? I, I would just say, you know, look at the actions that are being taken within your organization for a start. So if you're if you're a communications professional in, a, in an organization, look at what actions are being done. Look at where things have been difficult. Look at where you've had successes. And I think look at how you can create some stories around that. I would say test them internally first. Start sharing them with employees and seeing what their feedback might be on those. And then when you start to feel as though you've got some some good case studies which cover a journey, um, the the difficulty and the and the positive, um, then that's at the point I think you can start to perhaps share those externally. I would say um, look outside your your sphere. So you know there is a great resource out there in in terms of the NGO world that actually can be a huge support and a, a driver for change. Um, for you within the the sustainability space so I would say have a look outside of your your sphere around um, who you can partner with and I would just leave this this podcast with just a couple of points in mind I think whenever you are going to communicate about sustainability if you can just have three things in your mind as you as you move forward on this I would look at um, honesty practical action and measurability 
And I think those are the three things that you should have as a, as a base point in which to move forward. And then from that, try and have some fun with it. But I think if you have those three pillars as, as your base point, it's going to put you in a great position to be able to communicate authentically around sustainability. Excellent. Just going back to what you said there about, about different NGOs. I mean, is there a is there mm. is there is there a kind of a di- database or where, where you, if you were looking to maybe connect with an NGO? And I guess they're context specific to your industry mm. or or your own sustainability issues. Where 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 would listeners maybe f- start looking for those, those partners in that space? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. As far as I know, I don't think there is a database. Mm. I've certainly never come across okay. one. Um, but uh, but people are very welcome to reach out to me if they've got particular okay. areas. But there are there are some, for example, I'm just thinking of some general ones um, that might appeal. So RE100 is a great initiative around helping businesses to transition to um, 100% renewable um, electricity. I mean, that's going to be a big one for for most companies. We've seen that be really, really successful. Um, and uh, there's a, an organisation called Women Business. Uh, again, very focused in the corporate and business sector, but runs great campaigns in that space. But if there are any that um, your listeners are or issues, I would say that is that are being you know tackled or struggled struggling with then i might at least be able to put them in the right direction of a particular ngo that may be worth them having a conversation with but they're always great for um information help you know working with like-minded peers within these groups um finding solutions together as well um and uh, but also that authenticity and that transparency piece actually collaborating in this space with an NGO and having their support with your communications for example um, can be hugely uh, beneficial because they are they are a great balance to um, you know when they can do auditing and things like that which again really helps in the sustainability comm space okay okay no that's that's an, it's a nice segue into what i was going to finally say which is for people if people to reach out to you we'll put your linkedin profile into the show notes so it's, it's a good offer that i think if, if people you know are looking for a relevant ngo for a particular sustainability challenge or, or opportunity that they have then uh, then maybe if they're struggling to find that then be good 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 reason to reach out to you helen and make contact with you so um, yeah sure and uh, what one final thing i was going to put into the links was you have a i think you have a little sustainability diagnostic um, i think you described it as do. a quiz yeah and, and, yeah, uh, we and we'll, we'll put a link into that and ju- just for the listener that that's a, a quick way of a kind of assessing or getting a feel for what what your opportunities are is is it or that's right it's just a little no. bit of a health check mm. In terms of how you're communicating on sustainability right now, Fantastic. it takes less than a minute. It's just a few questions, and then it will give you a score, and then a little bit of advice and guidance in terms of things that you might want to work on, um, depending on the areas of your difficulty. So, yeah, it's just a fun little quiz. Doesn't take very long, um, and hopefully, it might just engage and help you think about things a bit differently. Fantastic, excellent. Well, look, that's been fantastic, Helen. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's been, and again, it, it's a topic. As I said, we surprisingly over over a hundred episodes, we've only covered twice. So this is the second time we've covered it, but from a from a different angle than we we covered it before. So really appreciate it, and um, I wish you all the best with your with your continuing growth of your business. It sounds like you're doing really really well, and uh, and and obviously, I'm totally bought into your idea of doing more good in the world. So that, that I think everybody. Yeah, we'll we'll be rooting for you there Helen thank you so much thanks for having me thank you thanks Helen take care bye bye 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.